0: This is Rock Talk with Mitch
1: LaFawn. Mitch LaFon. Welcome to this episode of Rock Talk with Mitch LaFawn on this, my Mitch Marathon Month, as I uh, seek to put out an episode almost every day, getting caught up on stuff that has been sitting around, but also new content. In fact, today's interview with Megadeth bassist Dave Ellison was recorded well today. June 24th, 2019, of course, Dave has a new memoir coming out called More Life with Death out on uh, July 16th, and there will be a companion uh, release of new music coming out July 19th on Combat Records called Sleeping Giants, and of course, the album will feature guests Daryl D.M. McDaniels, yes, from Run DMC, Mark Tremonti, Ken Mary, Ron Bumblefoot-Thall, Ethan Brosch, and uh, John Bush, of course, and David Glenn Isley. And now I've had a chance to hear the album. Spectacular. Especially uh, the uh, song with um, John Bush on it, If You Were God. There is also a song on there called Feel Your Pain, which is uh, delightful. Uh, we've had this discussion. Am I supposed to say delightful? Anyway, the uh, book... And album will be followed up with the Bastery More Life With Death Tour, which is a show that Dave has put together with co-author and partner Tom Hazar. And it features a question and answer discussions as well as a full live band set, including songs from the companion album Sleeping Giants. Now, during the interview, of course, we are going to discuss whether or not that is coming to Canada. But it does... Have some dates currently: July sixth in Providence, Rhode Island, and so on and so forth, all the way through the month of July. There is a date in Phoenix at Joe's Grotto on September seventh. So there are chances to go out and see Dave play this stuff live, which will be very exciting. And of course, before we get all to we get to all of that, we are going to quickly uh, get an update on Dave Mustaine. Uh, of course, recently he announced that he has throat cancer. Anyway, I'm sure you would rather listen to uh, David Ellison than me at this point, because there's so much great information to come. So uh, why don't we get over to today's guest, literally today's guest, the one, the only, Dave Ellison. We're speaking with uh, Megadeth Basis, uh, David Ellison, Of course, the new memoir, More Life with Death, comes out July 16th on Jawbone Press and... And it will be accompanied by Sleeping Giants. Now, first of all, Dave, uh, bonjour, as we say in Montreal. Hello. Bonjour. Hello. How are you? Good, good. And, you know, um, I do want to address what what's going on with, with uh, Dave Mustaine as well. But but just quickly here on, on the album, you've got Ron Bumble-Fothall, you've got Mark Tremonti, you've got John Bush, David Glen Isley, and a whole bunch just an absolute fantastic fantastic uh, album i've had a chance to hear it just great stuff so you know looking forward for the yeah, fans thank you yeah and and all right so let's just quickly get a get because i think it would be disrespectful to not mention dave he is a pillar of the metal scene he announces he has throat cancer um when the announcement came out, did, did you know about it right away or, or I mean, or, or that when you learned about it is what I'm saying, or had you known for a long time and, and what, what sort of the prognosis?
0: Well, I hadn't known for a long time, but I didn't know, um, for a few weeks, he, um, he had disclosed it to us in the band and our, our organization only. And, um, while we were in Nashville, uh, I'm back in Arizona. I came home for father's day as we're doing this interview right now. But, um, I, uh, was down there with Kiko and Dirk for, for kind of, I think, March May 10th, I think is when he went down there. And that was when it had all just come to light. Um, and Dave was very quickly, you know, getting into his, you know, going to the doctors and getting his treatment plan assessed. So, I mean, like he said in his announcement, you know, it's something like to be respected and faced head on and, and to get right into it, which he did. So, um, you know, he, uh, is, you know, well on his way to, uh, you know, uh, on his treatments and stuff. Any more than that, honestly, I don't know. Um, you know, we were there just being supportive. Um, of course, making an album. Is something we could work on a little bit off the radar. Um, and, and as as time and energy permits, uh, there's a lot more, you know, every member of every of the band doesn't have to be there at all, every minute in order to, to make a record, of course. So that gives us a little bit of, um, productivity that we can do uh, kind of off the radar and behind the scenes. This shows, and that was one of the main reasons for the announcement, was to let people know, let the public know, that we have a pretty full calendar of, of work. Although the Aussie dates had been postponed, uh, management quickly got into action to, um, you know, line out the rest of our year. And uh, it, was, it was looking pretty good. South America, Rock and Rio, um uh, you know, a whole bunch of stuff like that. But that, you know, we needed to let our fans know that that stuff was, you know, by and large going to go away because uh, because of the, the cancer issue. Dave needs his time and place and, and quite honestly, his privacy, too, you know, to, to deal with that. So um, um, so that's that's um, the update as as I know it. And, you know, we're just letting Dave go through that uh, and, um, you know, still continuing to write and work on stuff um For an album, and look, you know, hopefully things will land well and successfully, and you know we'll be we'll be up and running. So for now, I'd say prayers and thoughts, and which have been just you know a, a, a pouring out from all over the world, uh, fans, our friends, and other bands, etc. Have just really you know stepped up with their support for Dave, and for Megadeth, and everything. So we really, really appreciate that, and. um you know, the more of that, the better. So, thank you for that.
1: Yeah, and and I will respect the uh, the privacy. So we'll we'll move along, but I will finish with just this: What does that do for Mega Cruise? I, I understand that that's still going to go ahead, and we'll sort of see what it's going to look like at that time, kind of thing. Is that is that correct?
0: Exactly, exactly, exactly. Yeah, the cruise was something that. Um, as we had discussed it with, with the whole team and everybody was something that we felt, um, important to keep in, in, in play. Um, of course a lot of our friends and, you know, it's the big thrash metal cruise. And I think the beauty of a cruise of course, is that it's, it's bigger than just, um, you know, only, you know, one band, whereas, you know, if it's a solo Megadeth performance or something, I mean, that, that, you know, that that's a, a different story. So the cruise we felt is something that we should keep,
1: right which which seems reasonable now um let let us get over to this book here more life with death it's sort of the 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 part two but i want to draw your attention or i'm going to bring it to to the the chapters that i really focused on because you talked a lot about alice cooper and there was this time i guess um 2002 if i remember correctly that you were asked to join the band and then later on this Hollywood vampires thing with Joe Perry and so on and so forth. Um, talk to me about that time. And, you know, in the book, you sort of detail why it didn't happen. You had something else that was going to go on. And unfortunately, that other thing <laughs> didn't happen either. But yeah. <laughs> right. It, it, sort of a double. But But what would it have been like for you as a fan and as a professional musician to play in Alice Cooper's group?
0: Oh, I mean, Alice is, uh, you know, when I was a kid, I mean, literally a kid, like 10, 11, 12 years old, growing up on the farm in Minnesota, I remember listening to the radio, like in the tractor, I think, out doing some field work on a Saturday morning. And I remember hearing that Alice Cooper had fallen off the stage in Des Moines, Iowa, at the Vets Auditorium. And, um, you know, so, I mean, that was big rock star stuff, you know. And then as I became a Kiss fan and, you know, got into my uh, rock and roll of, of my, you know, lifetime. Um, Alice, you know, it's funny. He's a guy who's just always been there. He was kind of there before everybody. He's been there with everybody. And let's face it. He's been there last man standing after a lot of bands that you and I have grown up with. (laughs) Um, and you know, it's funny, he's, he's, he, he and his band are probably better than they've ever been. And it's interesting when, you know, Megadeth came to an end in 2002, when Dave had his hand injury, and that was just this, you Now I always had this thought like, you know, be grateful every time you leave town, be grateful every time you get on a plane and go to Europe. And cause um, you know, I remember Nick Menzo was always, he hated going to Europe. He was so grumpy about it. And I don't know why, cause his dad Don Menzo is a jazz musician is a jazz musician. And he spent a lot of his career over in Europe and Europe touring Europe used to be hard. It was not as easy as it is now. I mean, it's more similar almost to the United States of America, or maybe Canada now where things are you know more united but back in the day i remember nick he just hated it and um and it wasn't even being in europe i think it was just being away from home nick was really a homebody really uh he's an italian boy you know so he liked to be by his family and by his friends and every time that plane left i'd go you know i'd be thankful because you never know when it might be the last time and one day in 2002 dave calls me up and says he has to quit megadeth because of the hand injury that he had sustained and and um that was really the wake up call where I just went, Whoa, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? I was 38 years old. Um, Megadeth had done well. I was not set to retire yet. I was not ready to retire. And I was just, I just had a brand new young family and you know, Alice, uh, God bless him and his camp. They immediately reached out to me. Um, they needed a bass player and, you know, it was, it was certainly my gig to have. And I just, I was like, uh, I would love to, but so I got something else. This call from Fender came in and, you know, it was kind of a, a, a problem of abundance, but suddenly, um, as you read in the book, Alice had to make his decision to move on. And, and so they got Chuck Wright from quiet, right. To play bass for him at that time. And then Fender decided to hire someone else instead of me for the job. And so I was like, oh my God, my whole life just like fell out in a moment. And as you read in the book, um, you know, one of the overarching themes is is just say yes. And uh, Al Petrelli had told me that. He had just been in Megadeth with me um, through the World Needs a Hero tour. And he told me that. He said, hey, listen, I know you don't have a lot of experience in this because you've been in one band like your whole life growing up as an adult, but I've got a lot of experience as a sideman. And, you know, now that you're sort of out in this pasture and this out in this world as as a sideman guy, uh, you know, who know or, you know, not knowing what the future of ever if there will be a mega death revival, um, just learn to say yes and and be open to all opportunities. And and you know, I, I I learned from that lesson and that's why I put it in the book, because um there were these there was a lot of sort of remorse and regret that I didn't just just oh, just say yes and go, you know. And I now do. I mean you know me, we've you know, we've talked a lot over the years and you know me. When things come up, hey, you want to start a record company? Sure. Hey, you want to have a coffee? company? sure. Hey, you want to do bass Story? Sure. You know, and it's all just, I always just say yes, no. It's my automatic reaction.
1: Yeah, and it's a good reaction. Now, I'm going to move forward because we've only got 20 minutes. where We've both got busy schedules today. So let me get to this. Uh, Sleeping Giants. Uh, mm-hmm. You reunite with Chris Poland. Uh, to talk to me about that. Uh, as a fan, you know, I've always had this perception that, when somebody leaves Megadeth, there's some animosity. But at the end of the day, you all seem to be talking to each other. You were talking to Nick before he passed away. You were. Ta- what was it like just getting Chris back and and having him lay down what he does on these tracks? You know, I, I,
0: you know, Dave has always called me the ambassador and the diplomat in Megadeth. You know, and I and I really am. It's my nature. Um, I'm not a guy. I don't like to have enemies. Uh, if things don't work out in a you know relationship, whatever that relationship may be. Um, you know, there has to be some sort of understanding forgiveness and whatever, and blessing someone to, to move on with their life. And, um, that doesn't just always happen overnight. I mean, Chris, Chris and Gar, when they were let go from Megadeth, it was, it was a couple years later, you know, Chris had gotten sober and that was huge because then I was in my mess with my drugs and alcohol. And I remember going to, um, Chris's, uh, where Chris and his girlfriend lived Um, I think down in Marina Del Rey. It was in L.A. And I remember going over there and watching the Charlie Parker movie Birdland, uh, which was actually directed by Clint Eastwood. And I remember I was I was detoxing like I was trying to get clean. And here's Chris, who we had to fire from Megadeth for his addictions, is now a couple years sober. Um, He'd gone out and played bass uh, with the Circle Jerks. Um, and was just a, really a reborn guy. I mean, he, where Chris was always very, you know, dark and miserable in his addiction as we tend to be. Here's Chris, who's happy, joyous, laughing, having fun. And just, I saw a rebirth of a life and quite honestly, he was a huge, he was a huge inspiration for me, you know? And, and, um, so now that we both walk a, a sober life path, you know, he and I have, we've remained friends ever since. And, um, you know, to have this moment, um, of course, you know, he had unfortunately, the, you know, sad situation over Nick Benza, um, passed away, uh, playing in his band Ohm, um, at the baked potato there in California, you know, Chris and I, it, it took a while for us to kind of connect on it, but we did. Um, and we, and it was a wonderful moment for not only for me and Chris to connect, but for me and Chris to connect over Nick Menza. So it's like, you know, it's sort of this alumni of Megadeth uh, members, and, and I'm always at the center of it. Even when we did the VH1 Behind the Music special back in 2001, you know, David asked me, he said, hey, can you reach out to Chris Polo, and can you reach out to Jeff Young? And I did, and I reached out to him, and I still maintain, you know, um, at least workable relationships with people. And, and Chris has really been a, a, a true friend as well as a, a, a musical comrade of mine.
1: Yeah. And, it's, and, and, you know, as fans, it's nice to see people sort of playing together because, you know, that's what we, we sort of see our, our bands as like sports teams, right? We're all in this together to win this championship. Now, uh, quickly, talk to me about these F5 demos. And there's a song on there called Feel Your Pain, which is brilliant. I mean, I was listening to it last night yeah. over and over and over and over and over again, you know. Um, so where do these come from? Are these back from the day? Are these something that you were demoing for a future release in, you know, 2020? Like, where do these come from? And what does that mean for you in making more sort of solo music? Well, I
0: appreciate it with Feel Your Pain. In fact, it's funny. I was actually just listening to it today again. And just how much of a, just a great song it is. And I, and I, I say that modestly because I wrote it. <laughs> well, know, I'll say it for you. It's a great
1: it. song. Yeah. I'll, I'll, yeah, I don't I don't have to be thank modest. You. It's a great song, folks. Go check that out.
0: Thank you. Thank you. No, and it's funny because I wrote it on bass. Um, we had this rehearsal place here in Scottsdale by me, and I'd go over and I'd plug in the bass. And F5 was one of these bands that was a very creatively liberating season of my life. Came together in 2003. Megaduck was over. Um, I just, I said, Hey, I will never put another band together ever again. I've done it. i I know how much work it is. It'll never, it just, there's just no way, you know? And so suddenly this little band came together in my backyard here in Arizona and we had so much fun. And then those demos that are on the sleeping giants LP, I wanted to put them on there because although most of those songs actually ended up being re-recorded for um, the two full length LPs that we put out um, in 2005 and 2008, I believe. Um, the, the truth of it is, Mitch, the demos had a real spirit about them. They, they, we wrote those songs quickly. We put them down to tape and they just sounded awesome. And I, and I wanted to include them on this. And it's funny, feel your pain was the last song we wrote, um, right before the group. We, we never really disbanded. We just kind of set it to the side and everybody got on with other stuff. Of course, I went back to Megadeth. I helped Steve Conney, the guitar player, get the gig. Now he's the guitar player in Flotsam and Jetsam, you know, so life moves on. Um, and feel your pain is that song that I, I hear it and I'm just like, man, this was, it's like, it was like this last song that we had and it just never saw the light of day. So that, that one for sure, I wanted to put on this album so that people could hear it.
1: Well, hey, good choice. And, uh, you know, since we're running out of time here it's like a sprint interview, it's great. Uh, <laughs> let's let, let's quickly talk about bastery. Uh First of all, enlighten the fans as to what it is. Is it? I have this sort of perception that it's kind of a storyteller, and you 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 tell some stories, obviously, and then play the songs. But but tell me exactly what it is, and what can fans expect? Now I see dates running through July, and there's a couple of dates in September. Do we see this come up to Canada at? any point because i think it would be fantastic i think fans up here would absolutely love it
0: well thank you and there and the answer is yes we are uh, there's a plan in motion to try to get up uh to canada uh late summer early fall something like that um um like i said a lot of scheduling just changed with uh, the announcement that came out of the megadeth camp last week so um that does open up some some free time for me to, to be able to take Bass Story out. And, and it's funny, because Bass Story, my, the original idea was, you know, these sort of guitar clinics that you'd go to a guitar store and see, you know, sponsored by Fenders kind of thing. Those have largely dried up. Um, so, But I've done a ton of them around the world. I also did a spoken word tour around my previous memoir, My Life with Death, that I did down in Australia. And I brought my bass with me, and it was sort of this – storyteller through the riffs and the songs and the music of my life. So it's kind of like what you and I are doing right now, telling stories and also then playing some songs, kind of like a clinic. So we combined the two and that became bass story and we've taken it around the world. Um, and now with this, the, the book and the music, uh, with sleeping giants being this companion, um, sort of, you know, soundtrack to the book, um it's it's like the perfect time to fire it back up again and go back out um and and take this out to the to the fans because uh, as much as this one's going to be a little more like a concert maybe a little less like a clinic but a little more like a concert a real thread of the thing is the storytelling in between the songs setting up and introducing the next song um you know i i saw years ago i i saw the who come through town you know and i didn't know if they were going to be like just a bunch of old guys and you know, you know, hanging on to some youthful dream or anything, but I got to tell you, man, they did such a great job. They looked great. They sounded great. And I loved when Pete and Roger would tell stories before they played the songs. It it's, I mean, you know, I barely was listening to music when the who came out, you know, I was very young and for them to tell the story, it it engaged me as a, as a fan in the audience. And honestly, I've taken that concept (laughs) into base story.
1: And, and and it's a great, great concept. So uh, how much of it is actually uh, like because it, it's, it's it's evolving into more of a concert. So how much and, and when we were telling stories, is it personal stories from your youth and stuff you might, you know, like like we just talked about Alice Cooper or how you <coughs> became friends with Slash? Or is it stories about the song, like, you know, here is whatever Symphony for Destruction, and here's how I came up for the bass parts, and here's how we demoed. Like, what kind of stories are, are we looking at?
0: Honestly, Mitch, every one of them is different. And the answer is yes. <laughs> Some nights, it's more of a musical crowd, and there's guitar players and bass players and musicians, and they want to, you know, they want to ask musical questions. Because I do Q&A. I mean, it's not just us firing a bunch of loud music at you. I mean, we try to make it a very uh, collaborative thing between me and, and my partner, Tom, but I, 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 I'm the host, you know, I, I'm the guy, I'm the anchor of it. Um, and, and, and some banter with the audience and, and i take questions and, and, um, cause that opens up some really fun dialogue and quite honestly, a question, you know, it's like you asking me a question right now. And it just sort of leads off into a whole other thing that I probably wouldn't have thought of. So, Um, And then other nights, quite honestly, it's rowdy and it's, it's like a, you know, full on beer drinking, heavy metal rock concert. And you're kind of going, yeah, probably not so much Q&A tonight. (laughs) Everybody's here to rock out and they want to hear songs. And so those nights we kind of freight train through it a little more like a, like a concert. So every one of them has their own really organic feel to them.
1: Oh, that's great. And and I know that we're out of time. So I'll finish with this. You, you signed sword from Montreal on combat records and just, just give me a couple of words on on what it was like to be in that van with Megadeth back in the day, and listening to it, and now being, you know, the the, the record company boss of Sword. Which...
0: Yeah. Well, it's funny because we were introduced to uh, to Sword by way of a, a soundman friend of ours from Montreal, and um, and and the sound of the metalized album was so good. I mean, it was just a great. It sounded like one of the American Heavy metal rock bands like out of California or something, you know. It it had just it was heavy, it was riffy. Uh, Rick is just an incredible singer, um, and and it and so I'm ever stoned again. I mean that that was like the theme song of the P. Selz tour <laughs> because it was, that's just how we rolled, you know. And we would listen to that thing every day, and it was it was just incredible. So when we finally Uh, the opportunity came up for us to, to work with them with combat. I I mean, I jumped, I was, I mean, I'm excited about every band we have on the label because we are very particular about the records that we put out, especially with combat, you know, that's a very specialized uh, brand and, and, and home for, for artists. And, and when, when I got word um, uh, about sword, was just, I was just like, oh my God, this is like a, I was like a kid in a candy store, you know? And Rick and I now become buddies. He came through Arizona on a motorcycle ride that he was doing. And we did, uh, they filmed a segment with us. Um, and it's just, it's just great now to get to know him as a as a gentleman, as a family man, and and you know we're kind of like family man rock star dudes, and it's just great to have all these these just really a great career path together. So it's just
1: incredible. It really is, and and someday I'm hoping to see you two on a stage, uh, you know, a mini tour or whatever. And and I'll just say by the way that video <clears> of the motorcycle ride, I saw it because all of a sudden on my messages facebook and twitter and people are like dave ellison said your name dave ellison said your name, and i was like what <laughs> and, and i went to watch this video and i was like oh hey that's kind of cool so thank you for that and uh i know i know i know You're you, yeah and i know you've got to go so this was just a quick quick catch-up we will do a longer form interview uh maybe in the fall if 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 there's a canadian tour or i'm sure as the book yeah. uh, rolls out in bastery mm-hmm. but uh toujours un plaisir, yeah. always a pleasure sir thank you So thanks so much, Mitch. See you, man. Bye-bye. Cheers. Bye-bye. You're listening
0: to Rock Talk with Mitch Lafon. Rock Talk.